This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Jake Scott with you broadcasting live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Lloyd Cole producing today across the glass from me and sitting in, going to spend the next hour with me, even though he's already done four hours of radio today, Hans Olsen. Well, it's not like it's four hours of ditch digging. Like if you came to me and we were ditch diggers and you're like, Hans, I need you to help me dig this next 10 feet of ditch, I'd look at you and I'd be like, you know what? No. I don't think so. You're, you're going to dig that <laughs> on your own ditch. But, hey, sitting around talking sports with my boy, I'm It's not the worst it. thing in the world, is it? No. Well, maybe talking with me, but, but no, talking sports it. in general. I, I was actually excited that uh, you invited me, and I don't mean to commandeer anything, but I wanted to run, because I put a pretty heavy bit of opinion out on air today. Revisiting the top ten in the sixty. And oh, 60. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, I was. That was going to be the 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 split story. That was one of the first things I wanted to get to today. I heard oh, the segment earlier. I really want your opinion. Yeah, on yeah. This. I thought it was good because I know that you've got your ideas on who goes where and who's doing what and who's been playing extremely well in the state. But and maybe I can cut through the offensive line bias just a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, because you heard some of it. Because you, you love the offensive line, and I love that about you. I know. I love them, and <laughs> I, I really do feel like there's a rightful ownership to a couple of these top 10 spots, the reorganized top 10 spots of the 60 and 60. But I told you, I've told you this a number of times. You've ruined the sport of football for me, which I, it used to be my favorite sport to watch. I used to watch the fun stuff, you know, you like follow the, the, ball. the routes and the ball yeah. and, the, and the quarterback and, you know, all the things that people like to watch. And then I started watching football games with you, and and now I, all I can watch is, boy, look at that right guard out there. He is sure playing well, and and it's just you've you've taken the fun from it. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna largely blame you for <laughs> taking some of the fun out of basketball because okay. I just used to watch the guys shooting the basketball and be like, huh, that sucked, or hey, that's a nice shot. And now I'm watching all kinds of different actions off ball. In fact, I've used the term, hey. You really need to watch Boyan Bogdanovich off ball. And it's like, go. people are like, what, why? Yeah, yeah. Why would you ever watch him off ball? Yeah, you're, you're going to get excited about stupid stuff like, oh, did you see that pin down? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it becomes a job, Hans. I tell people this all the time. Like, yeah. I, I love my job, but it is a job. It does you know? become a and job. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're responsible for analyzing these things and you're watching other stuff and. All of a sudden, it's not quite as fun. Well, uh, I don't know if you want to hit the sounder if you've uh, if you've got advertisement that you got to roll in here, but I we do want to get just, your thoughts on. No, this. let's just jump right into it. I do want to tease this though because I I want to talk to you about Urban Meyer. Yeah, a little bit later on in okay. the hour because I had some strong opinions before he got that job, 
And as somebody who's been on the inside of a college locker room and NFL locker room and the differences between the two, I'm very curious for your take on what's going on with him. Yeah, we, we can get to that. We, we hit Urban Meyer a little bit today and watching ownership come out and chew him out publicly yeah. is really interesting because, well, you know what? We'll save the whole thing because I've got Let's some takes it. on NFL ownership. Yeah. There's, there's some crazy stuff that happens with those guys. But we all know that Lloyd can sympathize with Urban. Uh, girls try to get him to dance all the time. I mean, it's just constant. <laughs> True, the establishments he goes to, it's a little bit more of a norm. But Does that happen at the piano bar? <laughs> you know, I love a good piano bar. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I've been to well, a piano that's, that's, bar with you. That's the last time you and I partied. Yeah. Had bad breath for two I weeks. bought you a shot of half and half. <laughs> Drink warm cream. So it was miserable. Uh, you know, that was one of the more, more fun nights. It was. That was a good time. You know that was Amy Graham's birthday? No. Yeah. Kevin's former wife. I was going to say Amy... Formerly known as Amy Grant. Yeah, that's not her name anymore. Yeah, that's that a good one. point. <laughs> okay, let's dive into this. All right, so so set this up. You did a little homework assignment. Of yeah. course, we all know about the top 60 and 60. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting how wrong that list ends up being. How Every soon. Year. Yeah, I mean, and hey, it's, it's all about prediction. It's uh, not necessarily the most accurate thing in the world. But I'm curious. You've okay. reevaluated and you've reset the top 10. Okay, so let me start by giving you the okay. 60 and 60 top 10 All right. as it was originally voted on by sports media. Yes. I think 15 sports media voted yeah, yeah. on 60 and 60 this year. So we'll start number 10 was Charlie Brewer. Oof. Oof. I wouldn't admit that. On our show. See, but. those those things, though, are why the 1660 is hard. And this was the first year I didn't vote in it, by the way, because I was having a baby yeah. at the time. You were very uh, busy. I, w- I was a little bit busy. But we had no, I mean, we honestly had no idea how good Charlie Brewer was going to be. That's why some of this, this exercise is quite difficult. But anyway, continue. Number nine, Isaac Rex. Number uh, eight, Britton Covey. Number seven, Clark Phillips. Number six, Mika Tafua. Number five, Nick Ford. Number four, Tyler Algier. Number three, James Impey. Number two, Brent Keithy. And number one was Devin Lloyd. Okay. Okay. That was the original top 10 as voted on by the sports media here in the stadium. Now, when I heard uh, Devin Lloyd uh, announced as number one some weeks ago, I said that was the most no brainer number one in 60 and 60 history. It felt like it at the time, I, right? Which it really felt like set it this up because you got a little but, bit of a change. But you know, I got a change. But I want to. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this. So, coming in at number ten on the reorganized top ten, sixty and sixty, he checked in at number fifty five. Originally at number fifty five, I didn't know anything about this guy, but he's been the perfect fit in Utah State's offense. Coming in with three hundred and eighty six yards on twenty four receptions. For three touchdowns through five games, Brandon Bowling, wide receiver at Utah State. That offense has been electric. It's been phenomenal. Yep. Checking in at number nine. Originally came in at number 43. He's got four touchdowns on the year, near 300 yards receiving, and has been a blocking beast for this BYU offense. Neil Powell at number nine. He's been great. He was originally number 43. Wow. Coming in at number eight, originally checked in at number 34 on the 60 and 60. He's, he is currently the sack leader in the state. He's actually tied with Van Fillinger, but Van Fillinger had that three-sack game. Right. 
but this guy has three sacks. He's got three pass deflections, batted three balls down at the line of scrimmage. And Jake, you know, I count batted balls as sacks. So he's actually got five. Sorry, he's actually got six sacks on the season. Okay. He's got 26 tackles, and he has been the second bright spot for that Utah State defense. That's Nick Hinniger at number eight. I liked uh, how he was ticked off before the BYU game. This is a rivalry. I've been on both sides uh, of it. Oh, he was on the. Yeah. He was on the, with Scotty, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. 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 Those, those were some. But he's been great. Yeah. Checking in at number seven. Originally checked in at number 29. But's now checking in at number seven. 47 tackles on the season, three interceptions, a forced fumble, and so many big, big defensive moments, including a forced fumble in uh, critical moments of a big game. That's Justin Rice, linebacker for Utah State. So, so far through seven, do you have any real issues? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Very Aggie heavy. Very Aggie heavy. Coming in at number six. He's got one pick six. I believe the only corner in the state currently with a pick six. It was to close out the Washington State game. He's only got 14 tackles, but that's because defenses just don't go at him. Yeah, he's a corner. He's, he is a corner, and you want to see people avoid him, and that's what they do, and that's Clark Phillips, defensive back for I think I think U- Deion University Sanders had 14 tackles for a career. Yeah, because yeah. nobody goes at him. Right. So Clark Phillips at number six. Coming in at number five, this is where the offensive line bias starts to jump in. Coming in at number five, has not given up a sack at his position, is everywhere he is supposed to be on every block, extremely athletic. He's He is fantastic at secondary blocking. So when you're seeing Tyler Algier go for these 35, 40-yard runs, typically that has something to do with either your offensive tackle your tight end or your wide receiver doing something downfield. Sure. Blake Freeland is doing things downfield. Originally checked in at number 31. I've got him at number five. Blake Freeland, fantastic player. Coming in at number four, 38 receptions, 640 yards, four touchdowns, and has been electric for the Utah State offense. Originally checked in at number 19, Devin Tompkins. That's special. At number four. Yeah. Well, those numbers speak for itself. Big numbers. Yep. Coming in at number three. Now, this is where we might differ. 46 tackles, a sack, two interceptions, a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, doing it all, Devin Lloyd. I've got him at number three. Those numbers are incredible. They're great numbers. Those that's are through incredible. four games. Yeah. You, the, the numbers I just gave you on Justin Rice, that's through five games. The numbers I just gave you on Devin Lloyd are through four games. Coming in at number two, he didn't get to play last week because of injury. His first four weeks on a football field might be the best graded center that I've seen in this state. The most highly graded you know, percentage on where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do. The highest graded center I think I've ever reviewed in this state. Coming in at number two, James Impey. Originally checked in at number three. And then the number one player in the state. 102 carries, 570 yards, seven touchdowns on the ground. Seven receptions for 50 yards. And the big number, zero fumbles. No turnovers from this guy on 102 carries and seven receptions. Tyler Algier. And one forced fumble. And one forced fumble, one huge forced fumble. In fact, let me get my Scotty yeah. G pin. Write that, you got to write that in there. He's got a forced fumble. That is a really good point. 
One and probably uh, and probably the the signature play uh, on the season for anybody, right? I mean that that play was really something. So here's my thoughts. First of all, let me ask you this, and uh, I'm not doing this in an argu- argumentative way. I'm just curious. What makes MP better than Free- Freeland at the moment? Uh, I I think it's number one. I I put just a little bit more emphasis on on that center spot right now because they're they're dialing in their protections. James Embiid is responsible for all calls. And so, Jake, when you're watching the University of Utah and all of a sudden you see three guys spring free and you're watching two offensive linemen butt into each other and you've got a blitzing linebacker come wide open and then the defensive end on a stunt that comes wide open, you've seen that a lot. That's on the center, right? That's the center. Tip. It's supposed to be the center. That should be on Nick Ford to make sure that his offensive line has identified their mark to move towards, which if you're in zone blocking, you step to that zone. Or if you're in man blocking, you understand based off of that signature, these are the, the one or two responsibilities that I've got. And you're not seeing that confusion with that BYU offensive line, ever. And I think that James Impey is just a touch more veteran is graded just a touch higher and is playing just a little bit better than James Freeland. All right. All right. I'm just curious. I, I, in the long run, in the long run, yeah. James Freeland should be a higher draft pick. Okay. Than MP. Than James. Sorry. Blake, Blake Freeland yeah, should be you. a higher draft pick than James MP. I'm following. So, okay. I really, I really like the exercise, by the way. I think it's interesting. You should, you should certainly do this again at some point during the season to even see how it changes from here because uh, it, it is interesting how it can change from game to game. So I'm fine with putting Algier at number one. As good as Devin Lloyd has been, I might back Lloyd. I might put Lloyd at two instead of MP, and that's my joke about offensive line bias, but I certainly get your reasoning. That, that's what Scott and Lloyd did. It, I, I would probably flip that just because, I mean, those numbers you read off from Devin Lloyd, hit those again. 46 tackles. This is through four games. Yeah. 46 tackles. One sack, two interceptions, and and by the way, one big interception against Washington State. Well, that that tipped interception. I don't know how many people on the planet can do that. Uh, college linebackers, very few. Yeah, very I mean, very few. It, well, it was just such an athletic play. Incredible. Uh, one forced fumble. Yeah. Two fumble recoveries. Yeah. And um, just a just a stellar leader. I mean, that's just nuts. I mean, that guy just. He's just so good. Yeah. So good. And we're not necessarily used to seeing a linebacker at Utah that good. I mean, Gianni Paul was really, really good, but generally we're talking about cornerbacks and defensive linemen at Utah, right? And so here they've got a, a linebacker that's just incredible. So, I mean, that that might be really my own gripe. I'm fine with, with putting Algier number one for, for a couple of reasons. One, that signature play. I mean... Talk that play alone tells you everything you need to know about Tyler Algier. Not giving up, uh, you know, having his head about him, knowing how exactly to um, make that play it was just incredible. To the to the point where he knocked it out into the field, so it just died where his teammate could pick it up. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. But BYU has to- I don't want to say totally changed their offense because he's so good, but kinda. I mean, they've got a home run hitter at running back, and they've used him perfectly, and he's 
carrying that offense sounds so insulting. I don't really mean for it to be, but he's been highlighted in that offense. How yeah. about that? That's a little bit better. And is doing a terrific job as the tip of the spear. That's where their bread is buttered with that player, and he's been awesome, and he's done it against good teams. So I'm I'm fine with bumping Algier up to one. I think that's a good move. I'd probably go Devin Lloyd at two, and then I'll I'll, I'll trust where you're at from from there on out. What, Interesting, so many Utes fell out, and so many Utah State Aggies have come in. Have come in. Well, but, but offensively, how do you keep those guys out? Well, how do you put how do you put Brant Keithy in your top ten right now when they don't even pass to him? So Brant Keithy right now has 17 catches for 163 yeah, yards. Right, and, and you compare that to let's say. Brandon Bowling that checked in at number ten. Brandon Bowling, what did you say? Thirty some catches. Brandon Bowling has uh, three hundred and ninety yards on twenty four catches and three touchdowns. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I know everybody uh, <laughs> likes Coach Ludwig, and his return has been celebrated because of all the mess. That happened between his stints at the University of Utah, and I think he was very good in 2019. But for the life of me, the the best position group on the offense for the University of Utah is the tight ends. And it's yes. probably not even close, which is weird to say at a university that's produced so many great running backs. Yes. But they've got, what, three dudes there? Maybe four in the tight end room for three. Utah? At yep. least three. Three, Cole Fotheringham, Dalton Kincaid, and Brent Keith. Yeah, uh-huh. dudes that can go make it happen. Yep. And, and and we saw Yasmin make a catch earlier in the season. And somehow they're not the high like, – like BYU figured out that they have Tyler Algier and they said, all right, guys, we're going to – this is it. our offense going forward. We're going to base everything else off of, of what Tyler can do out there. Why wouldn't you do the same thing with the tight end position at Utah? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If you've got a Brant Keithy, why not? What are so, you doing? Brant Keithy in 2019 had 34 receptions for 602 yards. That should be a jumping off point. Yeah. That 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 number should be a point that it's like Andy Ludwig looks at and says, I don't care if it's Cam Rising, I don't care if it's Charlie Brewer, I don't care if it's one of these new recruits that just showed up on campus. Our jumping off point is 34 receptions for 602 yards. I would like to target 48 receptions for 1,200 yards or 40, 48 receptions for 1,000 yards. And remember, in 2019, Brent Keithy also had six carries for 102 yards and had three touchdowns on the ground. Where's that? He doesn't have a carry yet. Yeah. So they were using him. For some reason in 2019, they felt like he was more highlighted, more usable. And I've heard people tell me, well, defensively, they're doing this and this against Utah. And it's not no bull crap, man. You figure this out. I don't care what they're doing defensively. Did the defensive effort stop the connection between Max Hall and Dennis Pitta, Dennis or, Pitta? or Andrew George? Or Andrew George? No, defensively, the, the, you would see Dennis Pitta bracketed, and Max Hall would still feed it down low, and Dennis had come up with a reception on a third and ten in a critical need for conversion. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that kind of the point of having a an, a, a tight end? Who's a hybrid and offensive weapon? Isn't isn't the point of a good tight end to create an automatic mismatch? Exactly. Isn't that like? Isn't that why Gronk is Gronk? Because you can't guard him because he's the size of a house and he moves like a Ferrari. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's why Tom Brady throws to Gronk in every critical um, play that happens on a football field because it's an automatic mismatch. So is Lloyd, it Brant Keithy that? Lloyd, last night, second touchdown by the Raiders. Was was that to Waller? Was that a corner route to Waller? And and Waller just went yes. over the top of yep. whatever over in the corner. Yeah. little charger that was trying to defend him and just snatched it right out of his hands and was like, hey, Go away, kid. Isn't that the point? Like, if, yes. if you put a, a linebacker on the tight end, uh, he's just going to run away from him. And heaven help you if you put a, a safety or a corner on a tight end because he's just going to run him over and catch it anyway. So that's what makes it more bizarre to me. I don't get it either. So People can say, well, scheme and defensively. And it's like, no, just go use the mismatch. Well, who are some of the other youths that fell out? Like Mika Tufua, I don't think has had the season a lot of us expected. Britton Covey. Britton Covey, although, see, with these receiving guys, just like Brant Keithy, I just don't know if it's all their fault. Yeah. Britton's been an impact player in special teams, too. That fumble surprised me. So here's here's the Utes that have fell, fallen out of okay. the, the new top ten. Brant Keithy, Nick Ford, Mika Tafua, Britton Covey, and Charlie Brewer. Yeah, I don't know how much of an argument you can make for any of them, honestly. To stay in the top ten. To stay in the I, top ten. I couldn't. Not with their production so far. Well, yeah, they got to get the ball. Like, but that's the thing. Utah yeah, has got to generate some sort of right. offense. They've got to figure out something. I mean, usually we're scratching our head figuring out what the Utah offensive identity is. I mean, they're such a they're like the only finesse run team in the country. I I never understand it. Why they they want to do all this zone blocking stuff, but that you know, they have these dynamic running backs who produce so much. But this just gets back to I think Utah should go to a straight pro style offense and just be serious about who they are and stop dinking around with the spread. But that's just my opinion. So, uh, Jake, I was trying to think who the first Ute would be to check in on the offensive side of the ball. If you know, if we started going Jeez. down past ten, I mean, Nephi Sewell, I would probably have like at eleven. Um, I would probably have one or two other defenders somewhere. Yeah, who's the first offensive guy? So it would be Makai Bernard. Uh, well, but I don't know if he'd even be in the top twenty. Well, I don't think he's RB one. At Utah. I think that's Pledger. You think Pledger's taking that over now? Yeah. Because there was a minute where Makai, and I I think Makai's he's a little dinged up, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he put the ball on the ground like everybody else did, too. But I I thought we saw a spark from Pledger. I could be totally wrong about that, but it felt like he gave that run game the juice it needed in the Washington State game. And Washington State's defense is nothing to write home about, so we'll see. But he did hang on to the ball. And he was pretty dynamic. I don't know why I'm not 100% sold on Bernard. Maybe I should be. Talk me into it. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to because I'm well, not. We saw that spark yeah. with two other running backs at, in different games, though. I'm yeah. just not. It's just not that. But see, that you, flash and pizzazz we've seen that just over overtakes you with the interest from some of these running backs that have blown up on the scene for well, Utah. They always find a dude. They always seem and, to have a dude. And, and, and I just and he TJ's not like, that guy either though. Yeah, like, maybe they don't have a dude this year. But that's what's funny is is Kyle Whittingham went through a couple things and then he goes it, it this week in his presser and then he was like and we need to figure out who Tavian Thomas is. Well there's no uh, I thought I honestly thought Witt had just closed the book on him. You think we're gonna see him more? I don't. I don't I mean, either. He said that they need to figure out who he is, but I don't think they trust I don't think they trust the process. I I wonder who's gonna be the well, we know that Witt's not gonna play a guy that fumble. I mean he 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 drove uh uh who might Joe uh Williams into retirement. 
Yeah, because of, back to Colorado because of uh, of the fumbling issue. So and you had to go get him again. Isn't that funny? By the way, this is this is points to fumbling and that sort of thing being a real mental thing, and maybe stressing it isn't the right thing to do because. After all the pressure was off and he came back to the program, and you remember he was the only one in the running back room, so there was nobody who was going to replace him. He didn't fumble once Not for the time. rest of the year. And ran like a man oh, possessed. Remember that UCLA yes. game? Uh, I mean, isn't it funny that when the pressure was off that guy, that problem went away? Got an NFL trial, didn't he? He did. For the Niners? I think it was the Niners. Was that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, the Niners. So, I don't know, maybe Whit might, and that coaching staff might want to Back off the fumble pressure for a minute. Maybe it's a maybe it's a mental thing, but but and I think sometimes Jake, I I know that Kyle Whittingham gets a lot of blame for the mental pressure. Sometimes it doesn't even take a coach saying anything. It wouldn't even be Kyle Whittingham. It would be how you perceive your coach feeling about what you just did. Yeah, and and you're putting the, your own pressure on based I, off of who your coach is and not wanting to answer to it. You know what's interesting about that, how different people deal with that sort of thing different? Do you remember, so, and Witt talked about this in his press conference last year, and oh, isn't it always painful to bring up Ty Jordan? Um, but do you remember he fumbled in the Washington game, right, and lost the game for him with that fumble? Do you remember what yes. I'm talking about? And, and he, he was devas- devastated. Oh, you could see it on TV. He was just devastated. But And, and I'm trying Horrifying. to remember exactly how the anecdote goes. But he he marched into Witt's office and said that will never happen again and really took it personally and you could tell put a lot of pressure on himself but responded so positively and and how did and how did Witt handle it the following week after Ty came in and said that'll never happen again Witt's like all right all right yeah 25 carries go and he totally rewarded Witt for having that that confidence in him but isn't that interesting instead of you know, falling apart because he lost a game. Yeah, lost a game, a big game against Washington, and instead of letting that lead to other mistakes down the line, he really buttoned it up and used it as a as a motivational tool. So that guy, Ty Ty Jordan, yeah, is he's probably in the top five of the most impressive freshman performances I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, life. special! Well, he's honestly Hans. He's the reason that Utah doesn't have a dude at running back. Because everybody got to look at him and said, I'm out of here. They they lose three. Brumfield, uh, Wilmore. Green. And Green. Yeah, the whole room. I think Bernard was the only one who stayed, right? Yep. So, I mean, they're they're, trying to. And I don't know what those other guys are doing wherever they landed, but. They were players. They were good. We saw Brumfield and Wilmore plenty. TJ Green, I think he went to Liberty. um, And one went to Fresno State. I think Brumfield might have went to Fresno State. I think so. But we saw those guys. One. Those yeah. guys are players. Yeah. They'd be having a good season right now if they were still on this roster. And I they'd, probably, they might be, they'd probably be number one. Uh, yeah, they'd be better than Makai, probably. Better than better than Pledger. Right. But they, they got to look at Ty Jordan. And you remember they weren't even, those guys weren't even bent when they left. They were like, well. He's just amazing. I mean, what are you going to do? He was are just they, amazing. Uh, anyway, not to. One of the most beautiful players, man. Still tough to talk about. All right. Uh, I want to talk to you about Urban Meyer coming up next. Because yeah. uh, I think it's Urban's in an interesting spot. Yeah. And it's kind of his own fault. Actually, all his own fault. We will get into that coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. All brand new. 
It is time to bring in Nick Ford right now, the youth center. I got to feel like your football team should be thinking, we got a legitimate chance here because it's so unpredictable to go down there and get the first win in the Coliseum. Yeah, exactly. We do understand that, and we understand we're getting the conference play, and that, you know, we need to really bite down and go as hard as we can and empty the tank because we are one to know the opportunity is still on the table. I think it was back in 2006, Green Bay talked about turning the table, and that's the same mentality we are right now. You, sometimes you don't start off as hard as you like, but as long as that table gets turned in your favor and you continue to turn it, then you got to keep running with it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Band of the day today, Neil Diamond from my guy Hans. Brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to livenation.com. It's a good, it's a good song. We were giving away Neil Diamond tickets, concert tickets, and you got to go to Neil Diamond with me. You remember, remember when we that. did that? Yeah, I do. And we ran a promotion for people to come in and sing a rendition of Neil Diamond. And it's actually where I met one of my best friends, Dr. Peter Fisher. Dr. Fisher came in and did a, a rendition of Neil Diamond, did not win the tickets. It was a, a guitarist that was actually a performer that came in with a rendition of Cherry Cherry. And it was You Got the Ways to Move Me Hansy. So it was Hansy Hansy. Wow. And man, that one, huh? I got what emotional. Oh, dude, I got emotional. <laughs> he was so good and he just jammed it out. And we went to dinner. He brought his lovely wife. We had four tickets. Went and sat right near the stage and listened to Neil together and cried and laughed and reminisced and nothing better than a Neil Diamond concert. All right, so let me ask you this, Urban Meyer. Have you you've seen the the video, the multiple angles? You know yeah. what uh, we're getting into. Urban uh, uh, was at a bar and there was uh, a girl that was dancing on top of him, yeah. I guess, and uh, his, grinding, and his hands were. Around in places, <laughs> they were they were they were around, and you know I don't you know I don't know these things I guess but Urban looked a little intoxicated just from an observer's point of view. We do uh, need to take one step back. He did not travel with the team to go back home. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. He actually stayed and went to Columbus, Ohio, because they were playing Cincinnati. Exactly, and he stayed on Thursday night, and he stayed. He didn't fly back with the team, which which is a no no in and of itself. Yeah, I was going to say, which is unheard of from yes. from what I've uh, what I've seen out there. Uh, he, his excuse yesterday, I don't know if you heard, uh, I'm sure you did. He said, oh, I was having dinner with my grandkids, and these people at the bar next door were having a good time, and they had me come over and take some pictures. And it's like, oh, okay. And, and, that, and they wanted to dance with yeah. me. Call me skeptical, but anybody, anytime anyone brings up something that makes you go, aw, when they're trying to excuse bad behavior, I automatically jump to they're lying. Or 
that's not the story. Like, do you remember, like, anytime anybody goes, like, Ray Lewis, when he was asked about if he killed that guy in a bar, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm way too religious for that. You know, I'm, uh, I love God and all this stuff. And it, it, it's designed to deflect because you go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm religious or I know religious people and they would never do something like that. I'm going to believe this guy. You know, Urban goes, oh, I was just having dinner with my grandkids. So now in your mind, you're thinking, he loves oh, his family. He's just a grandpa who he's loves a good his family, family, man. And that manipulation really bugs me because that's like, yeah, just, sure, you have grandkids. That doesn't, like, that doesn't have anything to do with your behavior. But I thought this was interesting today. This is coming from uh, Michael Silver of Sports Illustrated. I'm just going to read this tweet thread to you, and then I want to get your response. Because you've been in a college locker room, and you've been in pro locker mm-hmm. rooms. I should say locker rooms. And so I'm curious on your take. But this is what uh, Michael's reporting. He said, the Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point, especially in the locker room. One player told me he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with. Players were particularly put off uh, by the fact Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over videos of him and a young woman getting cozy in that Ohio bar. Quote, he even canceled the team meeting. He was uh, he was too scared, unquote, a player said. Instead, Meyer, quote, only apologized to position groups individually. He portrayed the woman in the videos as a random person who was just there dancing. Suffice it to say, his audience was highly skeptical. Said one player, quote, we looked at him like WTF. Right when he left, everyone started dying laughing, and he knew it. Bottom line, said the player, it's bad. I don't know how he's going going to function. So, what do you think? Give me, give me your take on this whole situation in a nutshell. It, well, it's very different because where I was in college, there was just ultimate respect for Lavelle Edwards. Nobody had anything but respect. And if one of us were to comment otherwise in the locker room, and I'm, I'm not saying this just because he's passed. I'm not even kidding you, Jake. If somebody said something bad about Lavelle in our locker room, one of us would have checked them. Them's fighting words. Yes. Yeah. You're a freshman. I don't care if you were a senior there was enough of a group that loved and respected him so much that if anybody said anything bad, it was instantly shut down. And we all knew at that point that he'd kind of hung up the, the coaching hat. He was a legend. He was a face. Yeah. And there could be a lot of bad words like, well, we need a head coach that's actively engaged in this and this. No, 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 no. It's too much respect. So then I end up in Indianapolis with Jim Moore as a coach. And Jim Moore rubbed everybody the wrong way. He was a, 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 a high-ranking military man's son. He was raised military. He was very angry. And we had a term that we would yell, which was fire in the hole. If Jim Moore was anywhere close, it was fire in the hole. Because <laughs> un- unless he was close, we were talking trash on him. Yeah. Like hard trash. Because there's, there's two ways to look at this, Jake. If you got a coach in the locker room, let's say you're Bruce Arians, Tom Brady and those most of those guys in that locker room are thinking we'd win with or without this guy. We'd win. We'd be just as good without this guy. You throw plug anybody in here. This is because of us. Yeah. Tom Brady's running the offense. I don't know if it's in Donald Sue or or who it is now that's running the defense, and we'd be just as good. On the flip side of that, when you suck, it's really easy to say. We'd be just as bad. We could be better without this guy. It's yeah. this guy that's causing a lot of this problem. We'd be better without this guy, let alone having a guy that's making you good and you thinking, well, we'd be just as good without him. So, yeah, you can trash Urban Meyer really fast as a player and disrespect him. 
and to his face, you know, you might shake your head, but all the different terms that he uses and all the idioms and all those yeah. things, you just kind of blow him off. I uh, I don't think he should be fired for this. I mean, he actually didn't break any laws. There are plenty of NFL players who are still being paid or accused of far more severe things. You know, like I, I well, we just know. saw Richard Sherman on the field for right. So I the Buccaneers. Everybody, you know, saying oh, Urban should be fired. I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is the straw that would break the camel's back. Although the the owner came out in support, as you alluded to earlier, uh, but. I never. I thought he was going to crash and burn in the NFL because I didn't think his his style of coaching and his strategy was going to translate to the NFL dealing with professionals, dealing with older men, because he's used to eighteen to twenty two year olds mm-hmm. who he could bark orders at and run it like a totalitarian. And and we've all heard the stuff from Utah and how he treated certain players. He's treated you know if you weren't one of the marquee. You know, two, three, four, five guys on the team. He was treating you like garbage, and those guys he, he treated like gold. I mean, it was all a motivational tactic. It's how he got production out of his teams like he does. It's not the most nice thing in the world, but it works, right? I think the NFL is a totally different animal, and it was, I think it was ego that had him take the job, and I think it was it's ego that's going to have him wash out. I would be surprised if he makes it through the end of the year because Jacksonville sucks, and they're going to lose a ton, and his ability to coach doesn't work at that level. So if the Jaguars are 4-0, are we talking about this video? Ooh, great question. Okay, but let me—hold on. Before you answer yes, that— Yes, but me, the owner is—okay. No, no, let me set something up for you. Okay. Okay, so— with that question out there, would we be talking about this? And I want to I want to make this point. When we talk about professional sports and professional athletes and head coaches, and we talk about owners that just came out yeah. and said, "Hey, we we won't allow this." The moral compass is lost. As you mentioned, this is not a legal issue. Yeah. This is a moral issue. Yeah. The moral compass in professional sports is gone. Yeah. There is no moral compass. There is no moral response. I get it. He's a married man. And yeah, he was supposed to be hanging apparently with his grandkids. But who is an owner to call him immoral? Who are any of these NFL yeah. players to call him immoral? Who are a lot of media members to call him immoral? Like maybe Shelley doesn't give two craps that he's out there touching other women. I think I think the players, the impression I got from the players or that report from from Michael was that his explanation was a joke. I wonder if he owned it to his players, if it would be different. Yeah, if he just said, he hey, just... you guys know how this is. I, I, so we had, a, we had a big birthday party for one of our players, and we were all told to bring our wives. So, and this was early on when I got, got to Indy. And so everybody brought their wives, and you get really familiar. My wife's making friends with the other wives, sure. and you, know, you just start to build relationships. Three or four weeks later, we're on the road in Seattle, and one of the guys that was there that I got to know his wife really well was picked up by another woman that came into a, came to the to the the hotel and picked him up in a in a car. And I'm standing out there, and she got out and ran around the car, gave him hugs, and it was like, that's not his wife. That's okay. So that's where we're at here, like. Right. What Urban did is not no. It, it, no, in this state and in our culture, it's like, oh man, you don't cheat on your wife. But, but in the NFL, 
Or the NBA or, the or NBA. Major League Baseball it's or not, it's the culture. The yeah. bonds of marriage aren't important to those people. And so we see this video and as a culture we're like, oh, oh. well, in the, in the world of professional sports, it's nothing. Yeah. And so what, why I ask you, if, it, if they were 4-0, and oh, would any of this matter? This to me is something that the team is setting up like, well, there's strike two. Strike one was Tim Tebow. Yeah. Strike two. That's interesting you say that. Strike yeah. two is he's a cheater. Yeah, you're he's setting you're setting up cause to move exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's other stuff going on. I I bet you we'd be talking about it if they were four and zero, but the owner is certainly not making a statement on it, and there probably isn't anybody out there that's calling for his job. I mean, I read a piece in the Athletic uh, yesterday, talking about how he should be removed from his job, and it's just I think he should be removed from his job because this isn't going to work. Because his act isn't going to work at the NFL, and you only get so many bites of the apple with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, so you better get it right. And this isn't it. And I don't think he'd, you know, go back to college where you can rule with an iron fist and you can sweep arrests under the rug and all that other stuff that he's done at his different stops and 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 do is what makes him successful. But you can't you can't do it at the NFL level. And you're right in not only the Tim Tebow thing, but there's been other things. And, and if you read the reports on how he just uh, is is a roller coaster and is just dying every time they lose. I mean, players don't. You've heard the story about him punching out Mike Sanford at Utah after one loss to New Mexico. I mean, you're you're in a rebuilding NFL locker room, Hans. You want to deal with that? Because mm. this just in, the Jags are going to lose a bunch of games. I mean, you could look at their roster before the season even starting. You, go, you know what? That That's a team that's going to lose a bunch of games. You, you hire a coach that's going to have a heart attack every time they lose? I did, however, think the Jags would have a win before the Jets had a win. I did, too. I thought the Jets were going 0-17. I thought that they would have one. Lloyd seems to think if you kept Tim Tebow on roster, this would have never have happened. Really? Tim would have. You saw a couple of those blocks Tim threw. Those were <laughs> hot dog. Uh, but, no, I, I, I wonder what the end game is going to be for Urban. I don't think it's going to last much longer. I'm, I, I, th- I find your point about they're setting him up with some cause. I, I find that intriguing. Because I, I certainly think that could be something where they're having a little buyer's remorse, but you know it's such a big investment and splashy hire, you can't just part ways. So let's let's put a couple strikes on the board. Build a resume. And then when the losses inevitably follow, we can just say, you know what, it didn't work. It's his fault. See you later. Yep. And move on to the move on to the next coach. I am happy for Zach Wilson, though. Mason Wake's going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I talked to Mason today a little bit. Uh, we recorded it earlier, but uh, his thoughts on Zach getting his first win. I can't believe the Jets won. Does he give us a health update? Uh, yes, he does. Because we did not get anything specific from James Impey. Okay. So we get a we get a little update. I hope we didn't get him in trouble. But that's at the top of the five. I, I love that I get early insight. Yeah. What's interesting, when, when you play that interview, I do want you to grab, Lloyd grabbed James Impey's cut about how he reacted when we asked him about his injury and playing and compare it to whatever you get from All right. From Mason. from Mason. Okay. Well, we'll plug it in there. Uh, I, I will tell you this. Mason did not enjoy being on the sideline watching his team play Utah State over the weekend. I could only imagine that's eating the guts out of that kid. It's got to be hard, right? Yes. You didn't miss a whole lot of games due to injury, though, in your career. Uh, none between my sophomore year and yeah. senior year. None. And then in the NFL, what you did something. You broke something, right? Broke, right broke when you my got hand. There. Yeah, you broke your hand. Second preseason game. Great timing. Oh, perfect. Great timing. Yeah, being a bubble kid, breaking your hand, it's such good timing. Well, you mentioned the party, uh, going to a party. And is this the party 
uh, with the Colts that you showed up to at Peyton Manning's no, house? No, early. that was my second year with you, the Colts. You and Amanda. That's when I moved the offensive line. You need to tell that story. That's a good story. Peyton is something, man. You know, people ask, do we have a minute? Yeah. We, oh, people, I think we've got technical difficulties, so oh, yeah, we've okay. got a frozen computer. The so last we, I heard in my ear was Lloyd saying, go to break, and then I was, I've been trying to stall out so that you'd go to break, and now, no, hey, no, this is a, you know me, time. man, I love commercial-free radio. Yeah, let's do it. I'll go forever. Uh, but people ask all the time, is Peyton as fun or good a guy, or as he comes across, he's everything, like, really. I actually, my aunt overheard me telling a story of how much I like Peyton to somebody, and she was like, that's not the story you told me. And I said, what are you talking about, Nettie? And she said, well, you told me he was difficult. And I said, yes, on the field. Yeah, I'm sure. Very Demanding. difficult. Yeah, yes. Yeah, right. Peyton Manning on the field is very, very difficult to deal with. Peyton Manning off the field was just a joy, dude. Fun. And full of life and energy and the organizer, life of the party. And so I just moved to offensive line. It was the first post-game hangout, and, and I got invited. He hated me as a defensive guy, but it got invited as an offensive guy. And the party started right at 9, and we had just had Ashland. So we've got a newborn, and you know how yeah, that goes. Well, I certainly do. So you had a time frame, yes. you had a window. We, yeah, we uh-huh. had we had exactly one hour at the party, and we had to be back because we really didn't know the babysitter well enough to be like, I get it, take her for the evening. Yeah. So and Mama, Mama was worried. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. we I knock on the door, yeah. and, and Peyton opens, and he's like, Hey, come on in, and we're like. Hey, we noticed we're the only car here. <laughs> he's like, so we're walking in with Peyton, and Peyton's wife was just awesome. And we walked down the stairs, and as we're walking down the stairs, which is like you know a, a double wide staircase that goes down into this really beautiful basement that's set up for a party. It's almost set up like a lounge, and you could hear the music playing. And as you're w- walking down the stairs, you could see the DJ you know, kind of in the back corner. And we walk down and all of a sudden he gets on the mic and goes, welcome to Peyton Manny's party. <laughs> For and, you Pey- too. and Peyton scoots down the stairs and runs across. He's like, don't announce anybody's <laughs> welcome to any party. Just play the music. <laughs> and so we sit down and we're sitting there for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And it's just him and his wife and me and my wife and, 40 minutes. It's almost 10. Amanda and I are looking at each other like, we've got to go pretty soon. And nobody's here. And he's got all these cupcakes and brownies and food. And he he leans over. He goes, hey, do you know anything? Like, is this a prank? Did, have you heard anything? I said, dude, if this is a prank, I wasn't told. And so I'm being pranked too. But it just turned out everybody started showing up about 10.30. Fashionably late. F- yeah. Way fashionably late. <laughs> is this a prank? Is this a prank? Did they, are like, because I set this up. <laughs> it was so good. It's man. like The Office. Well, like and he, in the office. he was always waiting for retribution because he pranked everybody. Oh, that's funny. And so he's always kind of checking his back. like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got the we got the thumbs up from Lloyd. So we'll step aside here for a second. More next. 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone. It's game week for the. 
Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to LaBelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Ah, crackling rosy get on board. We gonna ride till there ain't no more go. Taking it slow. Lord, don't you know I'll have my time with a poor man's lady Hitching on a twilight train It's a big show. Hans Olsen hanging out for one more segment. And uh, you're so nice with your time, Hans. We, we won't keep you too much longer. I do want to get your, your thoughts on the jazz. What, real quick, though, what's your number one, Neil Diamond? You've told me before, but I can't remember. Forever in Blue Jeans is, is, is right up there. Numero uh, Brooklyn Roads okay. is up there. Uh... I like Cracklin' Rose. My number one is uh, Brother Love Salvation Show. Love Brother Love Salvation yeah, Show. I love that song. You know, I came across a song, believe it or not, Morgan Scally, defense coordinator at Utah. We actually share the same passion for Neil Diamond. Yes, I, I remember that, actually. And uh, he he brought a song to my attention, and the song is absolutely wacky. It's called Porcupine Balls or Porcupine Meatballs. And it's uh, heard of that. It's yeah. It's it's a wacky song, but it was a challenge that he was given. Somebody gave him a, a set list of words that he needed to use in a song, and he just wrote it using this set list of words, and it turned into this porcupine pie. Porc- it's a it's a wacky song. Uh, have you ever heard this? I heard this years ago. Have you ever heard to Neil referred to as the Jewish Bob Dylan? No, you no. never heard that. So I heard somebody no. refer to him as the Jewish Bob Dylan, which is really ironic in a lot of ways. Well, maybe irony is not the right word, but Neil Diamond isn't Jewish, and Bob Dylan is. Are so you that, serious? That, yeah, yeah. Neil Diamond isn't. I don't think so. Oh, I thought. I thought. Let's see. Maybe I could be wrong I about that. I think he was born, maybe not practicing, but pretty sure he was born. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Anyway. But Bob Dylan is? I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, Bob Dylan is Jewish. Although did, he did, had a real Christian stint there in the late 70s, early 80s. Did, I don't know what he is anymore. Did Bob Dylan ever do a Christmas album? Probably. Did he? Neil Diamond did a Christmas oh, album. Yeah, the best all time. Bob did a Bob definitely did a like a like a Christian album. Though. The best all time. All right. Uh mm-hmm. here, I want to get your take on what you heard from the jazz yesterday. Well, I want to start with Jared Butler because obviously Jared Butler high scoring output for the Jazz and I, I want to talk a little bit about what to expect from a rookie what to expect from a first year guy you're going to see a lot of mistakes but you're going to see a high level of energy and a high level of output you know we always talk about preseasons meaning nothing like they're just trash nobody's interested nobody wants to watch it It means the world to a second-round pick in the NBA, a bubble guy, an undrafted guy. It means everything. 
every rep, every dribble, every shot, every time he's coached on the court, every instruction that Quinn Snyder yells from the sideline is gospel, and everything is heightened. Because second-round pick, you've made some money, and you're going to make a little bit of money. But you're eyeballing the big money. And it's right there. It's you're as close as you've ever been to it. Now, he might have been close to it in college because college basketball players, I think, do a little bit better with the money, even without the name, image, and likeness mm. than college football players. But um, it, the big money is right there. And I, I can't tell people how crazy it is to have a million dollars right in front of you and you're as close to it as you'll ever be, and there's nothing else in the world that you are capable of doing to get you that close to that money. And it's right there. And there's a couple preseason games that stands in between what you've done all through college, what you've done in in tournament play or postseason play, and it's right there. This, this preseason is standing in between that big money and, and a the ability to play. So when you watch a Jared Butler in preseason, go what was it, 16 points that he had? Yep. And had a great second half. 16 points yeah. and, and a great second half. He's he's pouring his heart and soul onto the court. You're going to make a lot of dumb mistakes. You're going to be in the wrong area. You're not going to have the full vision because you're hyperventilating trying to get your own looks. But just know that you're getting everything you can from Jared Butler. High level of energy, but you're going to get a lot of dumb decisions in clutch minutes. Um, to your point, though, like Elijah Hughes, because of circumstances last year, didn't get a ton of opportunity. You right. know, they didn't have a training camp, yep. and uh, the G League bubble was something, but it, it wasn't a ton of games, right? You know, exactly. I, I put Doak in that same category um, on top of chair, but I mean, these guys that, that have this bite at the apple and, and go out there and have a chance, you know, Elijah Hughes started last night and, uh, Jared Butler certainly had a good game. So yeah, I, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of preseason. And I think last night's game was an example of these teams are not really trying to win in the preseason. It's more about the nuts yeah. and bolts. It's not about the W and, you know, Donovan Mitchell goes in there and gets up 19 shots in 22 minutes. I mean that's that's impressive even for Donovan Mitchell, but that's the thing he's he's not going in there to get a W over the Spurs. He's going in there to get his work done in that 22 minutes and work on what he needs to work on. It's not about getting the win. It's about getting up those 19 shots. Yes, yeah. and and it's it's also being in a position where you're starting to get footwork in tandem with each other and your 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 separations and creating that separation and that distance and trying to work on building space for each other. Like okay. Okay, so how does Whiteside attack to the middle as Royce O'Neal rotates to the outside? What attention does he bring right. with him, and how quick am I going to have that, that look? How quick do I have to get off that corner three based off of what spacing Whiteside gives me or what spacing Hughes gives me? You know, if, if I'm Mike Conley and I'm trying to work the pick and roll with Hughes or I'm trying to work the pick and roll with Whiteside or, or whatever whatever I'm doing, I want to know what type of spacing they have, what kind of rotation they have, and how quick and where I can put the ball for them to get to the rim with it. Like, all of those little things with these, these new acquisitions, I, I look at a guy like Pascal and I think to myself, well, how are they even going to use this guy? Where does he even fit? on this roster. How does he even find minutes on the court? Right now is the time for that to be answered. 
well, what can we do with him in the early stages of of this season? Well, you know, you've got Boyan Bogdanovich that's dealing with some banged up issues. You've got Joe Ingles and and Rudy Gobert that had heavy usage in Olympics and off season, and you got all these things, and it's like, okay, so maybe Eric Pascal works in these areas in this part in the yeah. early stages of this season. That's now. That's what they're building right now. So there's a lot of important stuff that that goes on that isn't interesting or important to us, the consumer. Yeah. But I, I watch these things, and I, I watch preseason games, and all I can think of is the energy and panic that's going on. And then I, I always think about like head coaches and ownership just looking at the pieces of meat that they've got. Their new toys, like, oh, look at what I could do with this guy. You know, I, that's always a little uncomfortable to me, but then it's like, oh, but you're paying that 30 guy $30 million to do that. Yeah. So Is that all? just shut up and move around yeah. and do what you're told to do. Quick corrections and retractions. Neil Diamond is indeed Jewish, born to Russian and Poland, uh, Polish immigrants. So there you go. Bob Dylan definitely is Jewish. I, I, knew, I thought he was born Jewish, but I didn't think he was. Active. But he did do a Christian uh, Christmas album. Yes, he did. Yeah. A very good one. Yeah. Legendary. Hmm. Uh, second only to Johnny Mathis. Look at you. S- at second, just in front of the Carpenters. If I liked Christmas music, I'd care a little bit more. Johnny Mathis, Neil Diamond, Carpenters. Those three albums. Those are the three? What it's about it. the chipmunks? That's all you need. Uh, once the kids get of a, that That's when you play for the kids. But man, oh. when I'm, you know, I, I I'm cl- trying to draw the Christmas spirit, I don't want to hear Neil Diamond. You know, I, uh, I, ha- I collect records, right? You know, I have a vinyl, oh, yeah. vinyl collection. And, and my daughter, Sadie, likes to pick records. And I have uh, <laughs> uh, the chipmunks sing the country hits. And when I say country hits, I'm talking like the 1960s country hits. And oh. I've listened to it a lot. Like lot. Sons of the Pioneers country hits. No, more like oh. maybe 70s. I, more like uh, On the Road Again. Uh, what other songs are? Oh, uh, so they got Kenny a, Rogers, uh, Clint Kenny Black. Rogers, yeah, oh, okay. the, the Gambler, like right. that's that's on there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've Sons of the Pioneers it. is fifties, I think. I've listened to it a lot, a lot of Alvin Simon and Theodore singing old country hits. She she goes back and forth between that and Mary Poppins. I get it a lot. Well, Jim her, Chimney, buddy. Her and I are much alike. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sticking around, Hans. I really Glad appreciate to do it, it, buddy. It's it's always fun. Uh, we'll have Cole Fotheringham coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.